Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, we have a lot to get through today, so let's quickly start out with this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. So I clearly missed a few uh, shows last week that a few of you mentioned uh, and emailed me about, so I definitely threw them in this list this week. Uh... 23 years ago, the final episode of The Secret World of Alex Mack aired on Nickelodeon on January 15th, 1998. Uh, I did enjoy a bit of the show. Um, I was an Alex Mack fan, although uh, since it's released, I have completely forgotten about the show. Or if somebody asked me specifics about episodes or characters, it has completely just left my memory. I, I know I watched it as a kid. Uh, for those that don't know, it was a... I don't think it was a Nickelodeon... Um, specific show i think it was purchased from from canada i think it was a canadian show that they uh, bought for syndication but it was about a girl who had a few telekinetic powers and was also able to um kind of melt herself into this puddle and and kind of slip under doors and whatnot it was a super powered girl show uh, but i definitely enjoyed it as a kid so yeah 23 years ago uh 21 years ago on january 22nd 2000 the very first episode of double dare 2000 aired on nickelodeon double dare 2000 was a revival of the original double dare the first revival of it and instead of being hosted by mark summers they went with jason harris as the new host of Double Dare. Uh, pretty much the format was the same, although I believe in this one they added a few more uh, gimmicks to the show to help it stand out from the original Double Dare and give you more of a reason to watch. Um, if I remember correctly, and this is seriously, have not looked this up, this is just memory as I'm sitting here recording, I think one of its biggest gimmicks was if you were uh, in a, a physical challenge, you had this. they had this gimmick where... They had this box come in and it was like um, this box would roll onto the set and it would be an, an option for like a harder physical challenge. But it was a, it was a harder risk. But I forgot what the reward was. If you got more points or you got something guaranteed, I have no idea. Uh, but I remember that was a pretty fun gimmick there where they would, you know, oh, now you got to do this physical challenge. Like if you accepted it now, you wouldn't know what the what the extra challenge would be. So if you accepted it. Uh, Jason would open up the box and then it would be like, oh, you have to do this whole challenge with one hand tied behind your back or something like that. It was something silly, but it was a nice little risk reward and adding to the double dare formula. So I really, uh, really enjoyed that. 21 years ago on January 22nd, 2000, the it looks like the same day, uh, the the final episode of Kablam aired on Nickelodeon. Now, for those who have never heard of Kablam, who have never seen it, get ready for a ride here because it is one of the strangest shows you could point to in the 90s on Nickelodeon that was airing. But it also strangely fit the time. Uh, Kablam was a variety show of different animation shorts. Uh, it was hosted by Henry and June and was presented as if it was coming out of the pages of a comic book living on the screen. And when I say different animation styles, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, you have no idea what I'm going to say if you've never seen anything of Kablam. Uh, the different shorts featured were Sniz and Fondue, Action League Now, Life with Loopy, Prometheus and Bob, The Offbeats, and Angela Anaconda, among a few other like one-offs that they had once in a while. 
Uh, Action League Now, for example, is a completely stop motion, um, very low budget show done with action figures. Uh, Life with Loopy is a completely uh, a stop motion show done with like cardboard looking cutouts. Prometheus and Bob is another stop motion with with clay. But then Sniz and Fondue and the Offbeats are traditionally animated with their own unique art styles and characters. Um, this was a very fun show to watch as a kid because you got attached to some of these smaller shows within Kablam and it was kind of a treat to watch every episode because you you were like watching five different shows at once pretty much. Um, a few of these gained high popularity. Of course, Action League now is super popular. Eventually got its own spinoff show, which was a retelling of most of the Kablam shorts because uh, usually Action League now had a had a cliffhanger you know it would have like one part would air in the beginning of the episode and then the second part the conclusion would air later on in the episode so when when they got their own show it was just kind of its its own presented thing you know both both parts would air at once um my personal favorite out of all of these was sniz and fondue uh i thought out of all of these shows that was one that could have made it to its own actual show uh, on Nickelodeon, and unfortunately, it didn't get past Kablam. But that—that's one that really stuck with me over these years, and and have gone back and and watched certain episodes of that show, and it still makes me laugh. Uh, I do like Life with Loopy. Definitely a very uh, fun and imaginative show. Uh, Prometheus and Bob is one that actually almost had its own film with uh with Nickelodeon apparently a, a Prometheus a live action Prometheus and Bob film was announced in 1998 directed by Harold Zwart and they had producers and writers but it was scrapped due to lack of interest um Prometheus and Bob was uh presented as tapes found of an alien species uh, alien named uh Prometheus coming down to earth during the time of like cavemen and trying to teach a caveman Bob uh, how to do, you know, do things like clean clothes or how to cook or something like that. Uh, there was no talking. Each of the characters had their own little like grunts and and noises, but there was there was no talking. And certainly one of the the funniest shows that that were on Kablam. But uh, I have a lot of love for this show. I wish it was around a bit more. I wish it was talked about a bit more. Um, I've heard that there's some possible legality with some of the shorts about ownership and airing. I don't believe that, <laughs> really. I just I think maybe it's just a mess in terms of getting all these these episodes together and shows, and maybe they didn't keep track of them as well as they should have. But uh, I I hope with the advent of Paramount Plus and adding content, they're able to to get the the full kablam experience on there so that you guys can experience it yourself if you haven't uh 20 years ago on january 14th 2001 taina debuted on nickelodeon it's gonna make a lot of you feel old uh 19 years ago on january 12th 2002 the nick cannon show debuted uh nick cannon first got his start i think on all that and this was spun off from all that kind of in the same way of keenan and kel and the amanda show I think out of all of them, though, I think the Nick Cannon show didn't didn't last that long. I think it was only two seasons. Uh, ten years ago, on January 17th, 2011, Super Ninjas debuted on Nickelodeon. Six years ago, on January 17th, 2015, Bella and the Bulldogs premiered on Nickelodeon. And exactly one year ago, on January 17th, America's Most Musical Family ended on Nickelodeon. And on the next day, on January 18th, It's Pony debuted on Nickelodeon as their newest Nicktoon. I have not checked out 
It's Pony. I actually haven't even really checked out the Loud House. I mean, I, I see it. I know it exists. I've seen a clip or two, but um, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I'd like to hear from some older Nickelodeon fans. You know, if you're at least like 20 years old, what do you what do you feel about It's Pony, the Loud House? Let me know about those. Are those uh, things I should be checking out? But uh, yeah, that is this week in Nickelodeon. Before we get on to this week's episode, Dying for Pie, I do want to remind you of a partnership we made last season with the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated Collab. Uh, I partnered with the collab to help bring uh, artists and people working on the collab together on this show for little interviews and then having them with me to watch the SpongeBob episode. Uh, So this week, we're actually restarting that uh, for season two. Uh, Later this year, at some point, the uh, whole SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated is going to be uh, debuting at some point later in the year, I think November time. So up until then and throughout the year on various episodes, I will bring on special guests from the collab, various artists, voice actors, people who are working on the music. There is a lot of hands on this project and it is something really special and really uh, dear to my heart as well, being a part of it and, and helping out in any way I can. So, um, Yeah, any of the people I feature, please go and follow any of the links that are in the episode description, any of the any of the stuff they plug at the end. Check them out. Um, A lot of these people are extremely talented uh, and and their work deserves to be seen. So join me and Challenger Girl as we both uh, talk old school Nickelodeon and we watch the episode Dying for Pie. Good morning, Mr. Squidward. So are you ready to go home? No, to exchange gifts for Employee Brotherhood Day. Mr. Krabs, you pay me to stand behind this register and take orders and give change. But you could never pay me enough to act brotherly towards that guy. Hmm. (laughs) That attitude of yours is precisely why we're having this little shenanigan. Now pay attention. The lad's got a surprise for you. Squidward. In honor of Employee Brotherhood, I present to you a gift. Ta-da! I heart you. Try it on, Mr. Squidward. It's got you written all over it. I wasn't sure how big to make the hole for the head, so I used a watermelon for size. Do you love it? It's a little itchy. What's this thing made of? Eyelashes. But, um, I really appreciate you being a part of this episode, being a part of this collab in general, um, it's so amazing to get a bunch of artists together and a bunch of like-minded people through, you know, different parts of the world to work on together on something. Uh, how, how did you get involved with the collab first and foremost? Cause that's what brought us together today. Yeah, of course. Well, um, I just want to say SpongeBob has been a part of my life since I was young. I was born in 92. So, you know, I, remember it when it started on Nickelodeon in 1999. Um, So it it was one of my favorite shows growing up. But how I found out about it is I used to be an animation major in college before I decided changing my majors. And um, I got back into art a couple years ago and I really wanted to get back into animating again. And that's where I found out about these reanimation collabs and I thought it was the coolest thing. So I actually found this really cool Twitter called the Reanimation Station, and uh, that's their nickname. And then their actual Twitter is Reanimation Hub. And uh, through there, I actually found out about the collab. 
Did you? Well, all right. So uh, th- we didn't actually go over anything like as far as how old we are before we started recording. But oh. uh, I was born right in 1990. So you and I probably had a, a lot of the same experiences growing up uh, oh, as yeah. far as the, the shows we watched. <laughs> um, I And I myself was aiming towards animation as a career uh, throughout high school, but completely diverted that path for a few reasons. Uh, what I, what made you change uh, your, your, your path from animation? Well, um, it's a very tough career to go with. Uh, any sort of art career is very, very hard, unfortunately. Um, certain type of districts are kind of just looking for the best of the best, and you have to be very fast with art when you make that your career. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, and I started to realize that I wanted to make this more of a passion and something to do for fun instead of a career. I didn't want drawing to be ruined because it became my career. So I decided to start working with dogs instead. And about 10 years later, it's been great. (laughs) Oh, uh, and that's, that's the thing. A lot of people think, you know, the, the one thing you'd want to do in this world is to make your, your hobby or the thing you love your (laughs) career. Um, But the real goal is that you would want your hobby or your your uh, your love of something to be your career, but not have to work for somebody else. Like if you're an artist yeah. and you're good on your own and you can work on your own pace, and people are willing to to pay for what you make, that's the ultimate goal. But when you then have to do it, it becomes less intriguing. Yeah, especially when you have somebody telling you you got to pick up the pace and be faster. It's it's there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders, especially animators. I was completely. Um, there was at one point in high school, literally the last point before you're entering art college. And that was probably half of the frustrating thing was my parents, although they were very supportive over everything I did. Uh, they kind of lacked the knowledge of art school of like right. what, what you need, you know, you could have the greatest grades in the world, but if your portfolio is not, um, not up to par of what the college is looking for, they'll turn you away. Yeah, Um, this is also a bit of a sad point to make, but I've learned more about animating through YouTube and its tutorials these days than I ever did in college. Um, (laughs) It's an unfortunate fact, but it is kind of true. You know how many times a day I see a message from Twitter or Instagram where somebody says like, wow, I can't believe I learned this life tool from Twitter or Instagram or Facebook than in school where I should have things like taxes or uh, how to change your oil in a car or something like that. Yeah. Um, The school system seems to be more and more taking out things that actually teach you how to live instead of, you know, they're teaching a trigonometry instead. Granted, there are certain jobs that need trigonometry, but I just feel like, you know, compared to what our parents grew up, they actually took classes like home ec and mechanics. And I'm, I'm a big car buff myself. I have a Dodge Challenger. So I love Hey, there cars you go. Hey, I would have loved to have taken a mechanic class in high school. You know, it would have taught you what to do if your car is having trouble. Yeah, I mean, imagine instead of if some of the classes they forced down your throat, if they actually yes. had more classes that like, hey, you're all going to run into this. So you might as well take this class. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now, like you, a massive SpongeBob fan growing up, did, was there something before SpongeBob that had your your uh, attention as much? 
Oh, yes. Rugrats. Same um, here. Oh. <laughs> Rugrats, Rocco's Modern Life. I mean, we didn't have Disney Channel growing up uh, back in the 90s. Like, you had to pay extra for Disney yeah, Channel. Yeah, Disney Channel was a premium channel. Yes. Yes. You remember. And my mom wouldn't buy it. So we grew up on Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Um, so those were my shows. And, like, when the Rocco Modern Life movie came out, what was that, two years ago? That was so exciting to see that in the, the Hey Arnold movie. Like, that was awesome there was something i i've loved all the revivals thus far because nickelodeon you know even though i don't know really nickelodeon in the current day and age i don't watch it live Mm -hmm. i haven't had cable in a couple years but um you know i i know what shows are on and off they've always maintained that creator driven aspect and that's the the best thing i can say about these revivals is the creators are involved the original actors are involved they're not as cynical of like well we're gonna reboot invader zim and not include Jonah Vasquez, you know? Yeah, they've, they've done a lovely job with um, these reboots, and uh, I hope that they do it for a few more shows and they continue it because it really just brought back that retro Nickelodeon feel as a kid growing up, you know? It brings a tear to your eye. You get so melancholy. Yeah, I watched that Rocco special. I watched uh, I like know. three times within two days. Like my roommate had said, so you just watched this an hour ago. And I was like, it, <laughs> it's resonating with me right now. Like the, the, the effects uh, that it had on my brain. I don't know. I can't explain it. Because they yeah, perfectly I, encapsulated I that style and that writing style that uh, I've only seen in a few few other shows. Um, mm-hmm. now for, for our, did you, after you stopped with the animation traction of your career, did you stop drawing kind of fully or did you, <laughs> um, just slow that down really to almost a halt? Yeah. So that's interesting. It's actually a great question. Um, so I did slow down and eventually go on a hiatus for a couple of years. And in 2018, it was me getting into Transformers and getting into the Transformers fandom that got me back into drawing again and eventually animating again. I love Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> what was it a specific, like, what show were you watching that got, got you back into drawing? Um, well, I was into Transformers in 2007 to 2012, fell out of that as well. And then it was Transformers Prime that I had never finished watching, saw it was on Netflix, and I said, what the heck, I never finished. It was a great show, I remember. Watch that, and the rest is history. I'm still very into it, but I, it was Transformers Prime that got me back into it again, and then started rewatching all the original shows again. I've seen them all before, even before 2018, from when I was into it in 2007. But yeah, Transformers Prime got me back. I I was never I like the Transformers franchise, but what was really weird is as a kid I wasn't into it. Um, I watched yeah. Beast Wars on television, but that was yeah, the was closest I had. <laughs> Um, but at some point, I don't know, I don't think it was Transformers Armada, but I think the second show, uh, was it Energon? Yeah, so that's actually really funny. So Transformers Armada, um, well, Transformers R.I.D. 2001 was the first Transformers show I ever discovered in 2001. I was in, like, I think elementary school. And then Armada is very special to me, and it really melts my heart that you remember that show because that was the first Transformers series I watched loyally as every new episode would come out on Cartoon Network. So I, the, I'm trying to think if it was Armada. Tsunami days. <laughs> I, it, it um, was, and then Energon, the CGI robots. Y- yes. Is that the one yeah, with Ironhide as kind of like a young... Yeah. Uh, that show, for some reason, I had never, like I said, just I knew of Transformers at that time, wasn't a big fan. 
And for some <laughs> reason, that show hooked me enough to buy all of the toys. Oh, and I was awesome. I was fascinated that, and it took me a few years to realize, but I was fascinated that the toys perfectly matched and fit together because they would all fuse <laughs> together as they did on the show. And at the time, I was amazed by that. And then a few years later, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, wait, it, it, the show was made for the toys. <laughs> of course they fit yes. together perfectly. It's, it's very um, toy-driven, a lot of the Hasbro shows, which has unfortunately affected some of these series in a negative light. Um, because it's, it's all about selling the toys with Hasbro <laughs> without digging into Hasbro too much. No, no, yeah, they they do fantastic work, and I get it. the The toy market is is millions of dollars. I mean, that's uh, look, look at Star Wars alone; it has its own aisle in every toy store. So, um, were there? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Now we mentioned just off track. We had mentioned uh, a lot of those Nickelodeon revivals. Uh, mm-hmm. What other shows do you would you like to see brought back in some capacity, even if it's for a movie or for like a new season? Oh. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, they've covered already. Hey, Arnold, Rocco's Modern Life, Invader Zim. You know, it would be interesting. I heard that they were thinking about doing something with Rugrats, and I would be very interested before the Dill Age to see if they did something with, like, the original cast from the first two seasons before the movies came out. It would be kind of cool to see a revival for Rugrats because that was oh, my that, go-to show. You, you are going to be excited because that is incoming <laughs> this year. It is, was that rumor correct? That was real. Well, so okay. there, what had happened was a couple of years ago, um, Paramount, I, I think right after Nickelodeon announced Rocco and Invader Zim, uh, mm-hmm. Paramount had announced that they were going to be making a CGI Rugrats movie. Um, I remember a, that. Yeah. A live-action CGI. And now I was really weirded out by the thought of that like i don't want it like is all are all the characters just going to be cgi including the parents and that when they say live action it's just going to be the sets because that would be kind of cool but um that got canceled but in its wake a cgi show is coming to nickelodeon and they've if you actually look it up you can see um they featured tommy tommy chucky and i think Susie on the cover of an animation magazine recently in the last like month oh. or two uh I, i'm keeping my opinions until i see it in motion because the right. cgi they're still capturing the exact look of the show but just in 3d but it seems like dill is not going to be in the first season i think they are going back to its basic roots and then building up from there awesome i will have to look that up later I, I I would love to see uh, two other Klasky Chupo shows come back though. Uh, I I really think Ah Real Monsters could have a really fun <sighs> chance and like in this twentieth twenty first century. Because it would be nice. How are they scaring kids when every kid has a smartphone? <laughs> I know. Like, what would they do? Something like jumping through the screens or something to scare the kids? Yeah, yeah. And if they if they partner up like they did. Uh, with Netflix near the end, I mean, they could go a little bit more yes. scarier with the with the characters too. That's the amazing part about Netflix is because it's not a TV channel. They, I've and I, I've known a lot of different creators um, because of going to art school and even through the Transformers fandom, I've gotten to know people that work in the businesses. Um, 
Netflix really lets you do what you want to do. And that was so evident with the Rocco's Modern Life movie and the Invaders Zen movie that they were letting them do what they want to do. And they were able to keep that old retro style that's not really allowed on TV anymore. Yeah, and there, there are certain shows out there that try to capture a, a feeling of that style. Yeah. Um, but there, there's still so many more restrictions now yeah, than there were in the 90s, yeah. which it is unfortunate. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> we we did. We really did. And and I can I can appreciate the effort though of today's uh, cartoons. Uh, somebody I've seen some of the humor in shows like Gravity Falls and and regular yeah. show that um, as an adult like wow okay this is hitting the same way that Rocco did or as uh, even Hey Arnold did in a way. Yeah. Uh, you also mentioned Cartoon Network. I mean, did you did you have oh. a lot of uh, love for Cartoon Network as well? Oh gosh, yeah, wow. Um, I wasn't as big of a buff with that compared to Nickelodeon, but you know, original Powerpuff Girls. Um, they had that cartoon sequence. I always mix the two up compared to the Nickelodeon one. It wasn't Oya cartoons, was it? It was like a, their version of Oya cartoons. Um, yes, um, I'm trying to. Wow, okay. Uh, that what I a remember. cartoon. I'm, yeah. Um, also, I remember Cartoon Network would play all the original Looney Tunes and all of that stuff as a kid. Um, I remember that they had the rights to it or something. And it was so funny because when I was a kid, I didn't realize I was watching cartoons that my parents grew up with. And it was a great channel, old school Cartoon Network, Johnny I'm, Bravo. I, as much as I'm a Nickelodeon fan, I will <laughs> I will always agree that Cartoon Cartoon Fridays was a much better experience than than anything Nickelodeon <laughs> had on their end. Yeah, I remember the two had their own versions. There was Cartoon Cartoon Friday, and then there was Friday Night Nicktoons. And it's so funny because I was watching both of those, like their little buffers that they would have the other day on my phone. I was like, oh, my heart. Like, yeah, my me- I don't memory. see I don't see any of these networks putting in that kind of effort that they used to do no, like 20 years um, ago. Not only that, but have you just noticed how there's really not a variety of shows like watch those cartoon buffers and how many different characters and shows they had going on. And now it's like you go to a Cartoon Network and it's just they're shoving Teen Titans Go in your face and that's it. And then I hate to diss SpongeBob, but Nickelodeon, it's really just SpongeBob and the Loud House and that's it. There's hey, like when, no variety when, when you love something so much, you got to be honest. And, and yeah, yeah. They, they have. And the one negative thing is that it's certainly hurt the growth of other shows. Like it has. You, you get two seasons to try and make an effort. And sometimes you might only get a season and a half before they move you over to Nicktoons Network. Um, yeah. But you're, you're up against something that's been on for 20 years. It's really not fair. They really... Um, shows like Seinfeld, for example, which is one of the biggest TV shows ever, didn't really oh, wow. hit massive ratings until its fourth season. Like you, right, you, right. you have to let stuff resonate. And uh, and I sometimes I like to think those. Yeah, you know, I didn't watch shows like Harvey Beaks. Um, only certain parts of Sanjay and Craig. Like, would these shows be as big as Fairly Odd Parents or SpongeBob if they were just allowed to to grow? I mean, The Loud House actually has gotten pretty big. It has, and I'm actually really proud of The Loud House, especially because um, The Loud House and Nickelodeon finally is also accepting LGBT, which is wonderful, which Loud House did with that. Um, it's really great to see at least TV is finally starting to accept those things as well. Yeah, um, and you know what? I always kudos to any show that can just have it feel just natural and not exactly. kind of... The, the worst kind is when it feels forced. 
but exactly when it's it just an accepted natural. part it's the best yes. thing in the world yeah i'm i'm really proud of it because legend of Korra, they still had lgbt restrictions back in the day and they couldn't show as much as they wanted to show with that so i'm really proud of the tv channels with that <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was it was long overdue. Um, and then it makes you yeah. really now that we're in this day and age where it's become much more normal, it makes you go back and appreciate um, the characters and writers and character uh, and creators of shows that yeah. had characters that were kind of there and out, but not, you know, not really like, hey, we can't say anything mm -hmm. about this, but kind of wink to the audience a little bit. Yes. Yes, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see that advancement. That is the one positive with these TV channels, despite the other things that we were just talking about. Yeah, it, given all of this and, and where we've come from, I it's why mm -hmm. I would like to see a new season of Hey Arnold. Like, I would like to see smaller yeah. stories, more, you know, what are characters doing in if they were around in this day and age uh, at their age? You know, things would be mm -hmm. a little different. Uh, Very, yeah. If there was one show I could trust dealing with um, trans topics, it would be Hey Arnold. What what would mm -hmm. that be like in that show? Yeah, it would be probably pretty interesting. And I, I think a character like Arnold would be like the perfect character um, to talk to somebody who's trans. And yeah, you know that he would be an accepting character. He was always such a chill, would listen to people, get to know them. He just cared about everybody, Arnold. What, what's great about Arnold too is yeah, he would, he would be, he would talk to the who to whoever, um, but mm -hmm. still have to deal with his own thoughts and and maybe even confusions, which is why he would then speak with his grandparents, who were yeah. so loving and and advice giving that it would kind of edge him to to where he would need to go as a yeah. character. Uh, and that, that bummed me out that I thought that movie did really well. And um, when they were teasing, like, hey, we can maybe come back for a sixth season. I'm like, just just do it. That's uh, Nickelodeon needs content. Um, but I'm actually okay. hopeful with Paramount Plus coming out with the um, I mean, they're taking Camp Coral from Nickelodeon. They are rebooting iCarly. This is a chance now they have a streaming service. They need content, make new seasons of some of these old shows. It would be nice. I mean, it, I think some of us, I guess we could say older folk, because we're all now us 90 kids are starting to reach our late 20s and 30s oh, now. Oh, God. Um, I, I think it would really hit memory lane for us. <laughs> I own more Nickelodeon merchandise at 30 than I did when this stuff was on. It's oh, it's completely yeah. crazy. I, I had a, I have a lot too. Growing up, we we're just starting to do. You know, we were donating toys before COVID hit, and a lot of the Nickelodeon stuff. Um, some I was able to donate, but certain things like certain Rugrat toys, I was like, nope, nope, this is still staying here. Nope, nope, I'm not getting rid preserved. of this. <laughs> it's crazy because now I I think of how kids are looking at the old Nicktoons, and it's probably the way that I looked at like Betty Boop and Popeye when I was a kid. Like, all right, it's, this is just a legacy character, and and adults really yeah. like them, and. I mean, I think what breaks my heart more is, I mean, like, if you go on YouTube, there's the Kids React channel, and some of them will watch shows like Johnny Bravo and Powerpuff Girls and Cow and Chicken, and they've never heard of it, even Rugrats. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> you don't know these shows? Failure on your parents. <laughs> I mean... I mean, that's it for my future child. The first thing I mean, when they're like four or five years old, I'm just going to introduce them to Rugrats and and Hey Arnold yeah. and let them pick and choose. Hey, I really like that show. I'd like to continue it. Well, there's one hundred and fifty yes. episodes, so we're, we're going to watch them together. 
It's all what you expose them to first, I, I feel like. Because, you know, a kid's still a kid. If we enjoyed those shows, if when we have children, they'll probably enjoy them too if that's what they first experience compared to what's on TV now. Absolutely. Um, now, with, with how the collab is going, uh, do you are you mm -hmm. open about what scene you're doing in the movie? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so I'm scene 339. Um, I haven't gotten a lot done so far because I have been so busy with other projects, particularly to the Transformers fandom. But my scene is the scene uh, when they're doing the Goofy Goober Rock part, which is my favorite scene in general in the movie, the Goofy Goober Rock. Um, and it's the scene where SpongeBob, like, Plankton comes out of the wall. Um, and then the part that I animate is when SpongeBob does this little twirl. And I think it's like a little split and he's got the cool glasses on and the music's rocking. That is my scene, scene 339. Um, I'm really excited. I've started working on it, but uh, it's I, I was really excited. I was able to grab one of the scenes from the Goofy Cooper Rock segment. No, I mean, that that is one of that is the <laughs> best segment in the movie. You're oh, absolutely right. So good. So congratulations so good. on getting that. Thanks. Um, now, have you done any other collabs other than this? Have there been uh, other things kind of that you're looking at uh, that you're maybe thinking about? Right. So, I mean, it's not in particular to SpongeBob. It is going to go back to Transformers again. Um, I'm one of the organizers for a online Transformers convention called Iacon Online, since, as you know, con season is totally in the trash right now because of oh, COVID. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'm one of the organizers for that. And it's funny that you mentioned Aubrey Monsters earlier because I think it was it Greg Berger was one of the voice actors for Aubrey Monsters. Um, I think that sounds is... familiar. Yeah, he's one of the guests for our con as well because he also voiced Grimlock in the original Transformers series. I um, mean, we got an Aubrey Monster question, which is really funny because there was a <laughs> Q and A. Um, but I'm I'm in that, and I also organize something called a fanzine, which is where you get a bunch of fans to draw art for something in particular, and then you sell it for a limited amount of time, and you can either choose to put the proceeds towards a charity, or you split the money and you pay everybody involved. Mine was charity involved, and it was don't it's going to be donated once all the um, printing costs have been covered to the Salk Institute of Technology, which is also involved right now in COVID research, which is wonderful. We've raised probably about a thousand dollars for that. Hey, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, the next one I'm going to be doing is for Blue Pet Service Dogs, which is a organization that raises puppies to be given to family with children with autism, which is a, another wonderful organization. So I hope we raise the same for that. But Collab-wise, that's kind of where I've been right now, besides this amazing animation collab. I'd like to be involved with more animation collabs after this one. Well, absolutely. Just, I was completely blown away by all of the charitable work you're doing, and, uh, <laughs> and much appreciated. So please, anybody listening, go and check all of that out. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, this this whole experience, getting getting such a massive community together and... If you ever just take a step back and look, we're all from different parts of the world, different experiences in life, different opinions, but we can all come together and go, hey, this one thing is so cool, we want to we wanna redo it together. And it doesn't have to be just Spongebob, but Transformers mm -hmm. and, and Real <laughs> Monsters, anything that you could get a, a group of people, Rugrats. Um, mm -hmm. I would like to see a, a reanimated collab of the whole Rug the first Rugrats movie. I think that would be really oh, fun. Yes. That would be amazing. I mean, the SpongeBob 
collab has opened the door to other movies because I was reading that the only other reanimation collab I think besides this is the Shrek one that they did. Um, and that's it. There's no other uh, reanimation projects of that scale where it's a movie. I yeah, believe. it's 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 certainly a lot of work and, and kudos mm-hmm. to the to the hosts of this current project uh, because yeah. I can only I've heard just uh, some of the weight of of the workload and i'm like i can't i would not be able to be a host i'm one of the moderators for the server so i've seen a lot of it oh Um, well thank you for your service (laughs) i haven't been as involved right now but i still do help with the check-ins and everything just to make sure people are on track uh but i've definitely seen what our amazing hosts have been doing just to keep things on track and they're all amazing um you guys are awesome keep it up (laughs) hello fam (laughs) i uh uh, one quick thing before we take a quick break uh i hate to open up scars but what's your favorite other than the animated one do you have a favorite live action transformers movie oh of course the um the bumblebee movie and the first transformers movie okay fair answer especially bumblebee (laughs) i i really i have not watched bumblebee but i have seen the uh the, oh, it's very the good. visual work of some of the characters like Optimus and it was really nice to see uh, close to Gen 1 designs in a in a live action yeah. movie um, I think his name's uh, something Knight I think it's Michael Knight the, the director for Bumblebee um, he was a G1 buff so he made sure that those designs looked like the G1 characters oh that is so refreshing mm-hmm, to hear mm-hmm. I would what I would love to see another just I I know the everybody poo poos on reboots these days but reboot the Transformers franchise uh, like the first <laughs> movie but with the Gen 1 designs that would be nice. That that would be very nice, and a little less uh, Bay influence in it too would also be nice. Oh, absolutely! I just rewatched that <laughs> the first Transformers movie a few months ago, and uh, it didn't Same. hold up as well as I remember seeing it. Like I remember loving <laughs> nope. that movie, and maybe it was Revenge of the Fallen that really turned me off. <laughs> yeah good golly um the same i actually watched it when i wasn't working for a little while due to covid and i was like wow um wow this is kind of all over the place is it uh the character is it jetfire who is the okay yeah jetfire was revenge of the fallen yeah the, the black jet yeah what really upset me is what i think it was around the time at least i had watched energon or armada and jetfire was a really uh, incredible character in one of those shows. So then watching the live action movie and seeing a character I liked up at that point be a an old, decrepit jet, like, old man with a cane, I was like, what? What is this? Do they not know Transformers or am I wrong? Well, Bay really didn't. Um, I mean, you want to go even more with Jetfire. He was totally different even in g1 he was a scientist and was a calm cool collected friendly guy so like, <laughs> been all over the place <laughs> I, you know what I, I i completely as we're talking i remembered uh i, I should have expected that because i really loved the design of scorpionok in one of the shows where he was purple ah, and yes. green and it was the one yes. toy i could never find because it was a really expensive and b sold out everywhere um scorpionok in the first transformers movie i'm like this this like what twenty foot scorpion in the desert. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh it's goodness! Really humans for a while. <laughs> well, uh, well, at least Transformers the film series is on a better path with uh, with better yes. creators than under Michael Bay. Um, but before we get into dying for pie, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? 
Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. All right, and we are back. Um, so we are starting a different kind of format here on the show for the very first time. Uh, normally up to this point, I tell uh, the listeners to start the episode at the same time I am. We're not going to do a commentary track. We're not going to actually watch the episode. But uh, before recording this, we actually both watched Dying for Pie already. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is a another slam dunk episode for spongebob here right in season two um as i've said up to this point every single episode before this has just consistently gotten better and has cemented the comedic style and what spongebob would be known for right here in these few episodes and dying for pie is another beloved episode of spongebob Uh, yeah it really is uh, season two is definitely one of my favorite seasons. I mean, so many things came out of season two. Yeah, there's, I, I mean, so many memes, so many quotes that you'll see, still hear people oh, yes. reference. Um, mm-hmm. I, and this episode is no different. Uh, it first premiered on January 27th, 2001. So uh, <laughs> I was 10 years old at this point when this episode yeah, came out. Nine. Super young. Wow. Yeah, it makes you think back a little bit. Um, this was, and, and here's another thing, and, and, uh, another, another great cartoon I'm going to mention here, uh, one of the writers of the show, other than Aaron Springer and Meriwether Williams, C.H. Greenblatt, the creator of Chowder. Oh, wow. Which, uh, I, I don't know if you're a fan of Chowder, but Chowder is, is one of the most underrated Cartoon Network shows, and, and definitely was before its time in, in, uh, humor and comedic style that, that kind of helped pave the way for what would eventually be, you know, Adventure Time, Steven Universe, mm-hmm. and everything that they're enjoying right now. Oh, wow. I mean, you could definitely see. I mean, I've watched a little bit of Chowder. I do remember it was a good show, but you could definitely see the influence. Oh, it, oh especially from, from him here. Um, mm-hmm. So the episode starts out with um, Employee Brotherhood Day, which I, I have to – I was thinking about this the other day um, – Squidward and Mr. Krabs have obviously been working with each other for a while now. Mm-hmm. And Squidward kind of sees this as a, as a new thing. He doesn't really seem to respond to this. I can only imagine this was a SpongeBob idea. 
Oh, most definitely. And it's, uh, Mr. Krabs was in it. I, I, he, I'm surprised he was so into it himself, Mr. Krabs. But, uh, again, season two, the characters were a lot different compared to other seasons. So it was, it was cute. <laughs> yeah. SpongeBob definitely went it more in a, in a cuter direction, but I don't think it was over overtly cute. I think it was just these little adorable moments. Like right here, yeah. he makes Squidward an entire sweater of eyelashes. Like, it's uh -huh. it's silly, it's adorable, but it's it's not at that annoying level that we would see in like way later seasons. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I I think it's one of those things that if anybody since this episode, if anyone ever complained about an article of clothing being itchy, I would always ask, is it made out of eyelashes? Yeah, I mean that's fair <laughs> enough. I mean the sweater did look cute. It was a little stretched because you know watermelon neck there, but um. I didn't know the size of your head, so I used a watermelon for for size. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like then all stretched out when he puts it on. Uh, and, and then kudos to SpongeBob for immediately being able to then craft his tears into a sweater. I know. I'm not really sure how it held up like that, but it did. Um, another another little visual gag I like in the beginning of this episode is um, when Squidward's walking. To the door of the Krusty Krab, you have SpongeBob up against the glass with a with a big goofy face on, and he slides across the glass, following Squidward's every step. Um, <laughs> I have felt that way generally with certain coworkers. Like uh, over my career, I've enjoyed like we we all probably have our our favorite coworkers, but you have those few that really just make the day that much better that you almost feel like SpongeBob up against the glass there watching them. Yeah, it'll definitely make your work day go a lot faster when there's a coworker you like coming into work that day, working the same ship with you. Uh, now, so the the big crux of this episode is that Squidward doesn't. He's kind of pushed from Mr. Krabs to get SpongeBob something, and it really. Um, I like seeing that side of Mr. Krabs when mm -hmm. he's not greedy in the moment. He really is just a generally caring boss. Over mm -hmm. over SpongeBob, and I mean, especially with the amount of money that that uh, that SpongeBob makes him, he might as well be. Um, so he pushes Squidward to to get a, a gift. Squidward ha uh, happens to come across some pirates and some pies, which yeah. might seem weird. But the weird thing is, Mr. Krabs mentions that he's dealt with this sort of situation eleven times before. Um, which means that Mr. Krabs may have witnessed 11 people in his Navy uh, unfortunately perish or at least deal with bombs from pirates. Yeah, indeed. I mean, <laughs> bomb or not, those pies always looked pretty darn delicious to me. <laughs> I mean, would you have would you have accepted a pie from a from a band of pirates just out in the out in the field there? Yeah, I don't think they were really using their common sense with that one. So Wait, but... <laughs> to be fair, one of them was very was completely honest over what they had. Yeah, he he didn't <laughs> want to sell the pie because the guy didn't find him as an enemy. But the uh, the captain said, "Hey, money!" <laughs> like I know if they're gonna buy this bomb, if he's gonna buy this bomb from us, just sell it. Uh, th I think that that one joke with that character uh, saying like, "Oh no, these aren't pies; these are bombs." Very underrated joke. Like, that has always made me laugh. Uh, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about that joke. I don't know. It's a, it's just one of those jokes that sits there for me. Mm -hmm. um, 
So this is also uh, now Squidward gives uh, SpongeBob this pie that happens to have a bomb in it of some sorts, uh, in which SpongeBob eats that pie, the entire pie, pretty much right away. As we assume, uh, yeah. later finding out that he actually purposely saved that pie for Squidward, uh, but we'll get to that. But he, yeah, Mr. Krabs had a had another pie on his desk, which was, which I always just found weird that he. That there was just a second pie somewhere in the Krusty Krab there. Oh, is that what that was? Because to this day, even rewatching it, I still didn't understand. Like, did he eat something or not? There was a second. I always assumed. Well, he said, um, he's like, there. It feels like uh, something hit my lower intestine. Like he had eaten something, and it. He was kind of naming pie flavors, so I was thinking. <laughs> He, I think he says that he ate the pie off of Mr. Krabs' desk. Um, yeah, but either way, of it that way, we'll we'll get to that because then I'll I'll be able to <laughs> get through my notes. Um, so in in Squidward thinking that he has just kind of doomed SpongeBob. Now the logical thing here really would be to get uh, to get nine one one called, to get the authorities called, to get SpongeBob to a hospital to see if there's anything that they can do. Uh, instead, Mr. Krabs and Squidward accept that uh, hours later, SpongeBob is going to die, so might as well make his last day on Earth memorable. And Squidward does the nice thing in letting SpongeBob kind of dictate what they do for the rest of the day. Um, in this list, I was able to write it down. Um, so, of course, SpongeBob's list here on, on his perfect day... Um, the first thing on his list is to show Squidward off to everybody in town. Yes. I to and... to be fair, has he? Do you think he's done this before with Patrick? I don't think so, because <laughs> he despises Patrick. I think even more than SpongeBob. No, no. I'm, I'm saying, do you think SpongeBob had done that before with Patrick? Oh, oh, sh- oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> if not multiple times. And and of course, our the next item on the list, Patrick would definitely not have a problem with getting in a salmon suit and doing no, the exact same thing. Not at all. The question is if kids would throw rocks at him just like they did with Squidward. <laughs> uh, and he would just smile and laugh at it. Um, Probably. The the third item, knock-knock jokes, always a good part of the day. Uh, then we have open-heart surgery, the fourth thing on the list. Yeah, I don't even know if that scene is still allowed on TV anymore because the, um, the animation's a little graphic there. Um yeah, and this was sure. th- this was the first time blood was ever was ever shown on the show, and yeah, <laughs> as far as I know, I don't know if they've showed blood since then. I can't think of any times on the top of my head right now uh, of blood yeah. ever showing up on SpongeBob. That's a great scene, though. <laughs> it is comedic. Who's the doctor here? Not you. No, not you. You have your heart open up on my table. Uh, kudos <laughs> to Squidward, though. What a guy. Uh, most people, I think, would have said no to that one. Yeah, he just felt super guilty thinking of what he did do to SpongeBob. Uh, and then there's, after open-heart surgery, then there's throw, which I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if that's um, Squidward throwing SpongeBob or other way around. Uh, then there's giggle. So after you throw somebody, you're just supposed to giggle. Then it's knock-knock jo- jokes again. Uh... This is right from SpongeBob's list. Looking like 
Looking like. <laughs> Looking like. I don't know. Uh, thumb puppets. Reverse friends. Uh, I imagine that's them doing opposite day all over again. Mm -hmm. uh, imagination, which he has on his list. Oh, great episode. <laughs> Act like apes. All you can. Have no idea what that one is. Uh, mm -hmm. Trade faces, which we did see in the episode. Yeah, and Squidward couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> which that one, uh, that joke never really, never really hit with me because they don't. It's funny, but they didn't really trade faces. It was just more or less SpongeBob being tied to Squidward's head. Yep, and directing him <laughs> on where to go. <laughs> um, open heart surgery again. On SpongeBob's oh, there list, a second time. there is a second time. <laughs> uh, juggling, read a story, babble like an idiot, and then the last thing on his list, which is watch the sunset with Squidward. Oh. <laughs> out of all of uh, out of all of the visual things that happened in this in this part of the episode, are there any that uh, stand out for you, or any jokes that um, that kind of I mean sit above the rest that that kind of <laughs> resonate with you? I think it was just really funny. Like, I remember very much the, the scene where they have to say hi to everybody again, and he's in that salmon suit, and the kids throw the rocks at him again. I just always thought that was hilarious, and I still do. It holds up. I like I like that Squidward ends up knowing one of the one of the guys he's being he's being showed to. Oh, <laughs> hey, friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we eventually get to get to uh, the sunset, which they do out mm -hmm. near Jellyfish Fields. And of course, this big climax moment of Squidward freaking out that uh, that SpongeBob is just going to blow up at any point. They have this big brick wall between them, uh, and they watch this this very beautiful sunset. And I got to give the the art directors here some credit. Uh, it oh, it yeah. is a beautifully uh, shot part of the episode, like beautifully made oh, yeah. part of the episode. Uh, very very nicely. Even the composers for the music for that scene, um, very nice musical as well. Um, Really, really nice scene. Yeah, I don't think any any of us watching this live was even considering that SpongeBob would die in the end. But um, you're you're really feeling for Squidward in this moment. His anxiety is yeah. completely on screen, and and he's counting down himself to this situation. And it makes it worse when mm -hmm. they have to restart the countdown again because it <laughs> makes him go through it all over again. Um, and when we see Squidward break down at the end there, we, we get, I think he counts to three and then the explosion happens. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. It, it's one of my favorite Squidward moments because it, it's, it's the, to me, it's the actual Squidward. He, you show so much emotion. He isn't hiding behind grumpiness or anger or pompousness. He's generally caring about SpongeBob only to find out that SpongeBob decided to pull out exploding <laughs> bubbles right, right at the end of the sunset. Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, he saved... right before. Oh, no, hmm? continue. Where, uh, what were you saying? Oh, well, I was just going to say it's funny that you mentioned that because I even had in my notes like that episode is one of the few rare in SpongeBob as a whole where Squidward does show emotion that he actually does care about SpongeBob as a friend deep down. It's rare, but you get those few episodes like that in the Christmas episode and you appreciate that real Squidward. Oh, um, yeah, it, it really, I was going to say that this was one of the first episodes of, uh, mm -hmm. of SpongeBob in which Squidward did show love for, uh, for SpongeBob. Yeah. 
Uh, but I did remember all the way back in, in Fools in April, he did kind of show some caring for SpongeBob when he thought he hurt his feelings. Yeah. Um, I think this showed a completely different level. It was not just showing his his you know feelings for SpongeBob and making sure he didn't want to want to make him cry anymore. But this was about life. This was deeper. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, now right right as the we get to the actual explosion of the pie here, um, I do want to mention that the footage used during the episode. Um, was actual footage of a bomb being deployed. Um, there was the name of... Oh, the live-action footage is from an old film showing the famous Baker explosion from Operation Crossroads, which was the first post-World War II nuclear weapons test, um, and one of many that actually took place in Bikini Atoll, which is um, the name of the island that is shown at the beginning of every episode. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that fact. Uh, that's, that's been kind of the reason why there's some theories out there that Spongebob, like the Bikini Bottom, is near a, a nuclear testing facility <sighs> and kind of makes explanations to why certain characters are, way, are the way they are and, and whatnot. Um, oh, that's a very interesting theory. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, this was Dying for Pi, a, an episode that really... Um, was designed as a, a, a big Squidward episode. We, we've had a few in the past, but this is really kind of the first time where Squidward is the central focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would, of course, set the stage for future episodes about that, but I, I think this is one of the one of the better ones. Yeah, it definitely is. It, it's a great episode. Like, it, it does hold up. It, it, I, that's an episode I could watch no problem. Uh, and it really stinks that for how, I mean, Squidward, for as lazy as he is, I mean, he still bought a pie for SpongeBob. And even though he kind of glazed over the fact that it's a bomb, um, you know, w wanted to just still give him something. Uh, and to have it in the end actually blow up in his face, uh, it's a little mean-spirited, but definitely not as mean as they would... Uh, the writers would eventually get to Squidward, where it's just yeah. almost torture. <laughs> yeah, d d like, yeah, like we spoke earlier, seasons definitely started to change, um, especially after the first movie. Absolutely. I, well, I mean, once 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 your head figurehead uh, kind of steps away, it's it's only natural that mm -hmm. things change a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, did you have any other uh, lasting impressions from this episode? Anything that that stood out for you? Um. So over the top and so ridiculous and so season two SpongeBob. Um, and it's just like a good childhood memory of mine of just seeing my brother really like getting a kick out of SpongeBob. Uh, we have a few good SpongeBob watching SpongeBob memories. So I, I that scene, the ending scene just really sticks to me as like a melancholy childhood moment. Oh, anytime they broke away from the traditional animation. I mean, even oh, those, yeah. those up close still shots of characters faces and things like that. Those are always quality. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, Chally, I really appreciate you coming on to this episode. Uh, before I let you go, do you have any uh, anything that you would like to direct the viewers to go in and see? Any, any Instagram, any social media pages? Oh, I'd love to. Um, so if you guys like Transformers, check out Iacon Online on Twitter. You just literally type in Iacon Online. If you have any trouble, use Google. And if you want to check out my Twitter, it's ChallengerGirl9, um, Challenger like the car, Girl9. And then on YouTube, you can find my animation channel, Chally's Animated Life. So, yeah. 
Perfect. Well, I once again, thank you for being on the show. I would love to have Thanks. you on again in the future. Uh, awesome. Definitely to discuss once we're closer to the collab. And uh, and yeah, thank, thank you again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. All right. You know what that sound means? It's time for the snail mailbag. Uh, I got this letter... Uh, from John from Pittsburgh, who uh, was playing some old Nickelodeon games. Uh, big fan of the show here and have recently begun playing some older Nicktoons games. I especially like Our Real Monsters on the Sega Genesis. Are there any undiscovered gems out there? And do you think any deserve a rehydrated treatment? Well, thank you, John. Uh, as a connoisseur of Nickelodeon, I've certainly played my fair share of Nickelodeon games, and I have certainly run into Ah Real Monsters, which, uh, as a kid, I thought was kind of difficult, and I haven't gone and played it again as an adult, so maybe I should try it out again. Um, some undiscovered gems. Boy, I, I think that the original PS1 Rugrats game, I know it's not really undiscovered, uh, but, but it is a bit of a gem. It's kind of a, a nice little time capsule game. And I've been trying to think of a game that maybe you haven't played uh, that would constitute as, a, as an undiscovered gem. Uh, I would say also Jimmy Neutron Jet Fusion on the, on the Nintendo GameCube was a pleasant surprise when I first played it. I would give that one a shot. Uh, as far as games that deserve a rehydrated treatment, the one that first came to mind was Nicktoons Unite, which uh, takes SpongeBob, Timmy Turner, Jimmy Neutron, and Danny Phantom together, uh, fighting the evil syndicate, which is made up of their um, uh, each popular villain from each show, Plankton, Professor Calamitous, Vlad Plasmius, and Mr. Crocker. Uh, it was certainly a fun little uh not really like a dungeon crawler, but it kind of reminded me of a lot of games that came out at the time, like um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance and uh, the X-Men Legends series. Uh, you take, you know, you're taking control of four different characters and switching uh, on the fly between them. I thought it was a really fun game, and I think in a like if they were going to redo that, I think they would um, be able to artistically capture each show a little bit better. Um, I mean, each level when you're in it, it, you know what show you're in. But I just think going going through that with that extra coat of paint, just like Purple Lamp did with Battle for Bikini Bottom, I think would be an absolute welcome. Although, given that um, Danny Phantom and Jimmy Neutron have have not been on televisions in in a decade, um, they probably wouldn't touch that game. And even Timmy, I mean, Fairly Odd Parents is done now. So, uh, but at least he's you know more in the current subconscious of children. So I don't know. I, I, I let's that's the game I would personally uh, tackle or, you know, the original Nicktoons racing like to to really redo that and tighten it up the controls. Uh, although Nick Nick uh, Nickelodeon Grand Prix 2 or Nickelodeon Kart Racers 2 Grand Prix uh, highly recommended for for any Nickelodeon fan or if you if you're looking for something new. But anyway, that is the episode this week. Uh, please follow us on all forms of social media. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, if you can find any way to help out the show in any any way, shape, or form, it is all appreciated. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod. 
you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.